The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. You're welcome back to the show, Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock. Emmett Oliver, our uh, Doctor Emmett Oliver, I see I have here. <laughs> don't don't forget that part. Don't forget, <laughs> Doctor. Well, I should say congratulations. That is that's a recent addition to your title. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a long journey with uh, Trinity College there recently. Um, spent many years chipping away at the whole area of financial and economic history, and they have decided to to uh, approve my work. At a recent Viva, so yeah, that's something for my mother to enjoy. Ah, well, but anyway, you you will enjoy it too, and <laughs> and you should, uh, Doctor Oliver. Uh, but listen, uh, our business correspondent, as well as uh, a doctor of Trinity College, and here to talk about the big business stories of twenty twenty three. So, where do we want to start? Well, we want to go back here, as we know, you go back, then you go forward, and and the sort of hard to get in the world of finance, things keep cropping up, and it comes in cycles, I suppose. And we thought we were out of banking crisis. Um, they are sort of a, a, a footnote in history. Me and you would have remembered the great financial crisis. We're both ageing, both ourselves. And we had another one, which was a bit strange back in March, where all these American banks started closing the doors, effectively bank runs. God, I've actually like... forgotten this story, yeah. <laughs> I can never forget. The scars are still there, still raw. And we lost a bank called Silicon Valley Bank. We lost another one called First Republic. Now, they're all US banks. But the really interesting part of, of this was, it was a 2023 banking crisis, one for the digital age. And what happened was people started getting nervous about this Silicon Valley bank and on their iPhones, very powerful people who can move a lot of money just picked up their iPhone and said, you know what, don't like the look of this bank, don't like the look of its balance sheet, I'm moving my money right now. And at the press of a button, billions of dollars moved out of this bank. Now you might say, well, is that all bank runs? No, they normally take a few days. There's a certain amount of momentum. You've got to go to the branch. You've maybe. got to queue up You've got outside to go there. Northern Rock or whatever yeah, it happens exactly. to be. This, yeah. But it also means banks are now more fragile than ever because you or me... The ordinary consumer has power in their hands with their Samsung or their iPhone and they can just say, I don't buy this bank, I don't trust them, I don't think they've got stability, I don't think they're secure enough and I'm just going to switch it to the bank across mm. the road, metaphorically speaking. So it was a new, it, it's got kind of like the, the virality of banking collapses. And it was the pace at which the news spreads as well. It was not a feature that yeah. before, I mean, if some, uh, as you say, powerful venture capitalists in, 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 on the West Coast in the States decided to take all his money or her money out of a bank, I guess it takes... 12, 24 hours before the news reaches us here or before it's really interpreted and it's kind of, it's spread around the world. This is kind of instant. Yeah. Before also, the bank realised what's happened, could, could people on the other side be, of the planet yeah, are, are like, doing the same thing. Could a bank be very damaged by a tweet? Like, could yeah. somebody say, and I'm not saying anyone should do this, but could somebody suddenly say, Bank of Ireland have this issue which we didn't know about and I'm saying it's a really serious issue. And as we've seen with other issues like migration and so on, these things can take on a huge sense of momentum very quickly. Now, hopefully that will never happen, but it does mean that bank executives are living in a whole new landscape. Mm. And I'm not sure they fully understand this idea of a, a viral banking crisis, but that's what happened. Yeah. And meanwhile, our old banks were kind of strangely stable. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were looking from afar across the landing and we don't have any of those problems. Where they were getting hit was they haven't been awarding or rewarding their customers, their savers with very high interest rates. We've covered it on the hard shoulder yeah. on a number of occasions. But you can't spin it any other way that between 1% and 2% isn't great. No. In a world of inflation, at one stage it was, was touching 8 or 9%. Now the banks will say, well, if we put up the deposits, we'll also have to put up the mortgages. So that pits younger people against older people because generally, and again, this is a massive generalisation, but borrowers are generally younger, savers are generally older. So depending on who you're talking to on the hard yeah. shoulder, if you're an older saver, you say that banks are being stingy, why am I to get more than my 1% or 2%? Equally, if you're a mortgage holder, you say, these people with their savings and their pensions, I can't even think about these things. Yeah. Right? So there is a generational conflict there, but I do think the Irish banks could do better. 
I think they don't communicate this issue particularly well. And when we've asked them questions on News Talk over the last year, they get very sort of a bit narky about being asked about it. Uh, it's a, a, a kind of fascinating place to start because as soon as you mentioned it, I realised, yeah, as I said, I'd completely forgotten that story despite it being a big feature of the kind of late spring, uh, early summer. Maybe it's because of the story that took over. Yeah, a story that pushed all other stories out, out of the bucket was RTE in yes. crisis. And I know you'll have plenty of other programmes, but I don't think from a corporate governance point of view, it's worth mentioning. A lot of other companies were studying going, I'm glad we're not RTE, you know, and mm. even though they had their old problems. We still haven't heard from D Forbes, Director General, about what happened in there. Yes, Ryan Tuberty seems to give quite a lot of interviews and general updates from his position in London. But a lot of the other senior RTE executives, we still don't know a lot of things we were dragged into flip-flops, cars, Marty Morrissey's car in particular. And as we've ended the year, I mean, I'll ask you, Kieran. I mean, is Orty in a stronger or weaker position as the year ends from having to air all its dirty laundry? Do you sort of say, well, they've got all the, the wardrobe clean out? Or do you say, well, actually, by doing that, they've actually diminished themselves in the eyes of licence fee payers? It seems yeah. to be that... I think we're still in the at a point where we don't know the actual long-term answer to that question because there's lots of... Uh, kind of promises of a new RTE but despite the plan having been published was it last month or the month before from Kevin Backhurst there was no great detail in it I mean there's going to be fewer episodes of Fair City that's about all I can tell you there's going to be redundancies and fewer episodes of Fair City what that all looks like in five years time uh, I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it then, yeah, Emmett. We'll have another review then. <laughs> um, the, the the thing that we were talking about, not just in 2023, but uh, the previous year as well, was kind of um, a cost of living crisis, so rising prices. Are, are, is that over? Are they all on the way down now? <laughs> and that is a tough question. That is really one. I'm going to try and squirm out of that one. I mean, the question is, they've definitely, things have got better. A lot of people listening in will say to us, well, Emmett, hang on a second. The prices have stopped going up, but they're still very high. So remember... Inflation is about an increase, a pace of increase in prices. Mm. If you looked anything you buy, a hotel room, a meal in a restaurant, a car, everything is up on a year or two ago. And the people listening will say to themselves, is my salary up by the same commensurate amount? And the answer to that question in most cases, but not all, is no. So as a result, your purchasing power has been reduced. It's not reducing anymore. It is stabilising. It is sort of a 2023, maybe even late 2022 story. But I do think it's political. I mean, Joe Biden is struggling for, you know, momentum in the US. Why? One of the reasons is because people just feel things are very expensive. A lot of it's psychological. Yeah. When you show them the data, like what you've just said, is it not kind of dying out? People go, oh, I'll tell you about dying out. Oh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a piece of my mind about that. So a lot of people just feel prices are seeping up. They're, we're not getting value. So a value is a much more intangible concept. What does value mean? It, it's it's yeah. really subjective to the person, right? So it is coming down. The central bankers have done a good job but I would say that people are going to remain angry about this issue. Uh, let's talk about some of the, the kind of the big names as well uh, behind the big stories of the year. So Elon Musk. I mean, it's not one story really to pick out here. There's just his kind of ubiquitous presence in the yeah, headlines. And, and isn't do, you know, there? do you know how we know who Dominic is? Because he was in last year's review of the year that we did, me and you. Well, he's in a second year. <laughs> suspect, and he's I suspect he'll be in next year. It's our little yeah. gauge, you know, the review of the year gauge. Right? He's in there uh, three times because he was about to buy Twitter at the end like of the last year. The time person of the year. Yeah, I mean, why do we talk about him so much? Because a lot of people stop me and say, why do you keep talking about that guy? You don't seem to like him, but you keep talking about him, which is probably broadly true. Because he owns three very visible companies, Twitter, which we obviously know about Tesla which is the big car company and SpaceX which blasts the rockets into space like there are three 
kind of um, novel, sexy. But they're all remarkable in their own way, yeah. aren't they? I mean, t- Twitter's become this dumpster fire. Tesla, I mean, is is impressive yet not without its problems. But SpaceX is just a remarkable company. Yeah, like he he does interesting things. I mean, he's an unlikable but interesting man. Maybe that's the best way to, to put it. And I don't think he'd even he'd even blanch at that description. I think Twitter's been a disaster. He's reduced the value of the company. But does he care? Is he not a bit like one of these 19th century newspaper barons where he's not doing it for profit? Like he, he likes the social power the media power that Twitter gets just like Rupert Murdoch another man we're going to talk about in a second these guys I don't think they buy media assets because they're very profitable they buy them because they're powerful it gives you that feeling that you're Carnegie or Vanderbilt or whatever that's, uh, let, that's what I think and maybe I'm wrong but that's well, what I think he is doing let, Let's talk then about uh, two uh, media barons uh, you mentioned Rupert Murdoch Dennis O'Brien as well we'll start with Murdoch Yeah. Uh, so he this year stepped down as chairman of Fox Corps and News Corps. 92 years of age. Kieran, what will you be doing at 92? I suspect... Will you be running giant media conglomerates? I suspect, like Rupert Murdoch, I'll be retired. But I will have been retired for a lot longer than than he is. (laughs) Will you be in succession? Will you be, you know, like, like... Rupert Murdoch, the amazing thing about him is that he exists at all at the age of 92 running these giant companies. He's stepping down, handing over to his son, Lachlan... You know, do we like dynastic businesses? You know, I'm not so keen. They don't necessarily always do well. But Murdoch, he's kind of an old economy person. Like, he owns newspapers, you know. Like, there's not many people that actually want to own newspapers. He's still ruthless, though, and Fox. The thing he really made a mess of, though, in the last year was these election lawsuits that came out of the Biden-Trump election that was initially dismissed by Fox as, oh, this is just a load of cranks and Democrats complaining. But these guys have taken huge financial chunks out of Rupert Murdoch's mm. companies. The Dominion um, whole election thing. Like, this hasn't been a good year. And I'd say the power of a Rupert Murdoch is massively reduced, drastically so, than it used to be. People are just not as scared of Rupert Murdoch anymore. He doesn't swing yeah. elections anymore. So maybe, you go back to Elon Musk, maybe it's better to own a social media platform than to own a few newspapers, which are a bit 20th century. Dennis O'Brien then, our, our own media baron here, for, of course, former owner of this station and others, uh, but no longer, not for a couple of years now. Um, he lost control this year over his big telecoms empire in yeah. the Caribbean. Dennis O'Brien, I mean, he's obviously, you know, very well-regarded figure in business circles in Ireland at least. But but he, he kind of got tamed this year. He got he had to take a bit of a dose of bad medicine. The bondholders took over his company. Yes, he it, still it was kind of coming for a while, yeah, wasn't it? There was there were several of restructurings debt. Yeah. of debt before this. But the company, whatever way Dennis himself would put it, the bondholders are now running his company. That that cannot be spun away. But he did still does still hold a ten percent share in the company. That might rise to twenty depending on how it performs. So it's not that he's been cleaned out. It's not that he's sleeping, uh, you know, under a bridge. He's still a very wealthy man. He still has a stake in in Digicel. But he has been somewhat cut down to size, maybe literally in terms of his shareholding in this company. And the bondholders, they always win. They are the casino in this case. He racked up too much debt and they said the equity in the company doesn't match the debt. So we're coming in and we're Mm. taking over. But he may still have the last laugh. He could get back up to 20% of this company. So it's kind of like Dennis O'Brien takes a hit, takes a setback, but it's probably not terminal at this point. A, a, a domestic story that kind of dripped, dripped, dripped away all year was the departure of firms from the Irish Stock Exchange. Yeah, I mean, this is we've covered this extensively on the hard shoulder, if I do congratulate the two of us on that. But um, the point I, I would make about this is how big important is that their company are listed on the Irish stock exchange? Like, do you care whether a company is Irish? I, I couldn't or, tell. I, 
Emmett, the only reason I know the companies were listed on it is because <laughs> they left it okay, and you right. told me about it. Yeah, so the, now, beyond the, that, I don't really know where they're listed. There's national pride here where we kind of go, oh, CRH, why aren't they on the Irish Stock Exchange? The bottom line is these companies are in the States and have listed over there because they've done really well. So you could bask in the actual reflected national glory and say, isn't it great that our companies are going mm. out there? They're on the New York Stock Exchange. They're What's growing, the value expanding. from a domestic point of view and having a kind of a thriving stock exchange well, or is there it, one? It, everyone has one in Europe so you have to have a stock exchange. It's like a national airline or an airport. It's just a piece of national infrastructure which it doesn't get questioned yeah. but it's there. You have to have your banks, your stock exchange. These are the... But does anyone care? Yeah. I mean, does it do any <laughs> reputation <laughs> damage to our country? No, I, I don't think it does but... I suppose there's a lot of advisors around these companies who will be listening in and they'll go, and how could you be so blithe, the two of you, about this, who get fees, they give advice to your CRHs or your flutters and so on, lawyers. I suppose I'm asking the question so I suspect annoyed, people right? at home would have because no, the question I, mean, no, I have. No. I, I just in terms wonder, of people's daily lives, yeah. no. You can still buy a, a share in CRH you can still work there. They're still paying tax here, which is the really bit we forget. Oh, yeah. Like, as far as the government are concerned, just keep paying our tax. Where you're listed on the stock exchange, we don't really care that much. But in terms of nursed pride or, or damaged pride, yes, the, the advisor community in Dublin are not too happy about this. Uh, okay, so uh, that happened um, domestically as well. I mean, the commercial property sector uh, started to slide a little bit. Yeah, a lot actually, really. What's really interesting about this is we had a property crash. When was the last one we had? We had it in 09, 010, and it brought down the whole economy, right? The great thing about this is it's not bringing down the whole economy because the Irish banks are not as big into property anymore. But in terms of social, do we want to walk around streets where there's boarded up buildings all over the place? Do we want empty buildings at night? So there is that social piece of when a property market crashes, it has an effect on all of us because the civic space and all of that. So you have to be worried about a little bit of that. The whole working from home thing, which was so COVID-y, is still a debate to be had. Is it good or bad that lots of people work from home? The people who work from home would say it is very good. But if it leaves a lot of empty buildings mm. and could we convert some of these into residential space? That question is still out there. Because I don't know about you, do you want to live in a city where everything is just buildings that with offices with lights turned off and you just walk around this it's like ghost town? We don't want no, people to see on a different side. So there is that aspect. And also the final part of that is who gave all the money in for these buildings? So some people are nursing big losses out there. We haven't seen a big developer going bust. I know Johnny Ronan had to refinance one of his companies, but we haven't seen that much casualties. So it's one that I would say 2024, just look out for actual corpses, for corporate yeah. corpses building up there because we haven't really seen any big casualties yet in that area. We we cannot wrap up a review, a business review of 2023 without talking about AI because much like uh, Elon Musk, it featured regularly in our conversations. Yeah, I mean, I think me and you, I think you're more convinced of its utility going Oh, big time, yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're, you're putting yourself out of a job here. Well, okay? I, just, <laughs> well I, I think like a lot of people, I was fascinated at first and then no, I wasn't very much like yourself uh, Emmett, I kind of thought, this is interesting, but, you know, how is it going to really yeah. change things? And then a couple of weeks ago on the show, we had a doctor on from the Matter Hospital and they're using AI to go through patient scans. So they had like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds mm. of these scans backlogged and they would just go through them chronologically as they were done. And now a piece of AI just zoop, goes through them and says, you got to look at Emmett's scan yeah, before you look real. at Yeah, that is real. There yeah. suddenly is yeah. a real tangible uh, uh, effect. My, my, my issue with it has been what consumer product that me and you will be using. Yeah, I accept that. That's that not that a consumer yet. product. And yeah. I was talking to a guy who was a very tech enthusiast, a tech cheerleader recently, and he said to me, oh, hang on a second, we haven't found a practical use for this yet, but it'll come in time. And that's, maybe it will, but you do sort of go, hang on guys, we've had a year of hype about AI. What's the iPhone of AI? 
or what's the you know, and someone's immediately says, oh there's bits in there but what I mean is is my life or your life going to be changed on a daily basis of course it will be yes. somebody might send your emails for you right okay and that might be happening quite soon somebody might produce this script in front of me that's a chatbot produced script but is that big as like the railways or when the car came along or when television came along I'm just not convinced it's as yeah. seismic or epoch changing as these people will tell us but I could be proven totally wrong in early 2024 but that's where I am at the moment I think the share valuations are insane like the there's just so much froth in there that eventually we'll have to burn yeah. off. But we'll both have egg, we'll both egg on our there. face if there's yeah. an AI Kieran interviewing an AI Emmett this time. <laughs> if next we're not year. here next year, you'll know <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. we were wrong and we got it slightly uh, inaccurately. But uh, if we're not equally, if we're still here, we've yeah, exactly. Idea. It was I was all a hype about nothing. <laughs> Emmett, listen, uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for all of the work uh, throughout the year. I look forward to uh, more chat conversations, uh, chatbotting with you in 2024. Happy Christmas. Same to you. Thanks, Kieran. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.